Welcome to the Expediters Podcast, where we look at the logistics and freight forwarding industry through the lens of a global logistics provider. I'm your host, Chris Parker, and today's topic, top five trade lessons for 2022. Now, earlier this year, an article went out on the blog of one of our subsidiaries, Tradewind, and in there were some interesting points I wanted to expand upon here on the podcast. We'll look back on the last two years and see what these lessons can teach us for the remainder of 2022 and beyond. And with me today uh, is a returning guest and the author of this article, Vice President of Tradewind, Mike Beleza. Mike, how are you doing? Thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah, well, it is a pleasure to have you back. Uh, before we get started with these five topics and, and diving into them, I was really curious, what got you thinking about these five topics and how did you arrive at these particular ones? You know, I think I was going through kind of the, the trade and goals for my team, right, in, mm -hmm. into 2022. And this is, you know, go back, this was early January, I think, when I was writing this. And I was kind of thinking about, you know, our group getting back to our fundamentals, getting back to a lot of those things that we just haven't been able to do uh, in the last few years, like travel, right? like yeah. see our customers, see our coworkers in person, give seminars. And, you know, at that time, this is pre-Omicron, obviously, but I was really looking at 2022, you know, in this really positive light at that time. Um, that kind of line of thought automatically brings you to this thought of, you know, reflect upon, hey, how have we changed? Um, how has our industry changed? And, you know, I think like any crisis, you have to walk out of it and say, you know, what did we learn from this? You know, at some point, I think we had to improve, you know, me within my, my group, myself personally, the industry, we had to improve in the last few years. And I think, you know, this idea of supply chain resiliency is really a key one. Um, and, you know, with any crisis, we, we all have to adapt, right? Um, yeah, we got to adapt absolutely. quickly. And with trade, I think, you know, we've just been hurtling through so many of these challenges, you know, in the last, say, six or seven years from, mm -hmm. you know, Brexit, trade wars, ship shortages, Worker shortages, there's capacity shortages, COVID, um, there's trade wars and there's real wars, right? So all of these things are kind of hugely impactful in trade. And so I kind of was in that particular mode of time was, hey, how would, how do we change? And what did we learn in these last kind of couple of years of, of the pandemic um, that we're going to come out of this stronger? Right? And that was kind of where my mind was at the time. Do you see these lessons as more retrospectives um, or, or do you see them also as like trends that are going to be long standing for, for the years to come? I, I think a little bit of both. Um, you know, I, I make the reference a lot to pendulums, right? I think, I think of everything as this pendulum in the world, you're always trying to find equilibrium, mm -hmm. right? And, you know, for now we've had, we've had a lot of change. Um, some of these things are going to take hold, right? And some of these things are kind of, kind of swing back. I think supply chains are always going to, strive for efficiency, right? And over time, we're gonna find that equilibrium, whether it's stock or where we source, near sourcing, domestic sourcing, you know, until that next, the next change event comes. So I think that, you know, a lot of the stuff that we learned from the pandemic um, or any of these crises, frankly, you know, we're gonna take a little bit of those lessons forward. Some of them we may certainly revert back, um, but we always gotta kind of keep in mind, you know, what do we learn and how do we, how do we kind of capitalize on that going forward? Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, the the pandemic has obviously been a topic that we've discussed on, on on a number of episodes because that's like an easy catalyst to point to to say this is the cause of a lot of the issues that we're seeing right now. But as we'll talk about a little bit later in the episode, there's been and what you've mentioned early too is just even within the last six or seven years, as you said, there's been other events and other things coming about oh, yeah. that have 
got really, <laughs> really, really got things changing. So we'll talk yeah. about that um, in a bit here. But let's go ahead and start with the first one, which was um, resilience. Be resilient was your lesson. Yeah. So I wanted to ask, since we've heard the term supply chain resiliency over and over, right, during the last few years, um, has the definition changed at all? Or is it settling into something? Like, what's your take on what resiliency means? You know, I, I everybody's going to define that differently, right? I think... Sure. What I think of it as is the ability to adapt your business in a crisis, right? And in some cases, it's being able to do it better or faster, maybe than your competition. And you know, in other ways, it's it's probably more about survival, right? Is if a if a crisis happens, how do you how do you keep your business moving forward, right? And I think there's just been so many events, right? I, I would laugh. It's like, you know, we talked about Brexit being like the biggest thing to trade ever, right? We talked, mm -hmm. One day we were talking about the Trans-Pacific Partnership and the next day it was like, holy cow, Brexit is coming, right? Like we don't really think about that now. It's, since Brexit, you've had, you know, COVID, you've had, you know, a multiple global trade war in a lot of ways. We've had a real war. We've had ship shortages. We've had worker shortages, you know, we had a we had a boat that got caught in the wind and got stuck in the Suez Canal. I mean, we forget <laughs> about that sometimes. Um, but it's been this kind of ever, you know, rolling kind of scenario of crisis around that. And I think that, you know, we're getting as an industry a, a little bit better with each one in terms of understanding our resiliency. And and you know, that's really been you know kind of my big lesson. I've been talking about it for for a while now. And every time I do, I feel like <laughs> another crisis comes. So right. maybe we need to maybe we need to stop talking about it. Um, but I think it's really deep seated now in a lot of these, these companies of, of things are going to happen and, and we have to be agile. Um, and we have to think about how we can be resilient and how we can be flexible and, and move forward with our business. I mean, the examples that you brought up, you're right. Like there are some of these I've already forgotten, like, especially like the, uh, the ever given, uh, uh, getting <laughs> turning sideways. There, there's another one stuck in the Chesapeake Bay now. Here. Oh so, no, kidding. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so like, yeah, like you can't make this up, right? It's it's and it's so random. Uh, just the events that come about. Taking all those into account, what would you say are some of the biggest boxes to check to ensure yeah. some semblance of resiliency? Yeah, I mean, we always say like keep the freight moving, right? Yeah. Uh, all um, else, yeah. keep the freight moving. Um, <laughs> you know, I think I think uh, the biggest one that most people look at is probably the sourcing side of it. You know, mm -hmm. it's. You know, what happens if a country goes down for whatever reason, be it a pandemic, a, a political instance, a, a war, a natural disaster, whatever? What what if it's a region, you know, and do you have a backup plan? Um, you know, are you are you commodity reliant? You know, are you you know, there's a lot of issues, a lot of talk now on lithium, on nickel, on neon, on chips. You know, are you are you really reliant on a particular either raw material or commodity or piece or part? And is that something that, you know, you have kind of multiple avenues of, of rectifying should something goes down? Um, you know, what if there's a big political change from a, a tariff, you know, or, you know, land war or something like that? You know, do you have that? Um, I think that's the biggest one and maybe the most obvious one. Mm -hmm. There's also there's systems, there's cyber, there's trade, there's near source. There's all sorts of things that are in there, but these are all things that most people think about. You know, I think stock is probably a really big one as well, and particularly if you're in a big manufacturing um, area, right? Where you know international trade in a lot of ways in the last you know maybe twenty or thirty years has kind of grown grown a lot, but it was also pretty predictable in a lot of ways. And I think right. we talked a lot about these just in time, you know, supply chains and, you know, very small buffer stock. And 
you know, now it's like a just in case stock, right? It's much more prevalent where you have to be able to operate, you know, with a little bit of a buffer in your supply chain. So you don't have like line down situations, things like that. So I think, I think that's really a big part of it. Um, you know, in trade compliance, you know, I mean, that's, that's what we do in particular, right? And, and what we help our customers with. And I think, you know, do you guys, uh, your, your company have the, you know, the trade and the knowledge expertise to be able to make these changes and be resilient, right? And if you have that kind of human capital, you know, you're much more agile, you have much greater ability to change. Um, and I think that that really helps the long way. And that, I think that brings us up to this next lesson really nicely is, you know, be flexible. You know, there's um, some obvious changes and or obvious catalysts. But as we were preparing for this episode, you mentioned 301 tariffs and how uh, they actually prepared the industry for what would happen with the pandemic in terms of um, sourcing strategies and taking those into consideration. So could you talk a little bit more about 301 tariffs and, and what kind of uh, trains of thought or what kind of um, what kind of decisions had to get made as a result of those? You know, when we look at the tariffs, and there, and there weren't just the, the 301 tariffs, right? There was, you know, at that, that time, there was a ton of tariffs floating around. There was China being the biggest, of course, with the U.S., but there were a lot of counter tariffs, the Canada tariffs, Europe, India. Everybody was taxing bourbon at the time. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I just remember that. But the biggest restriction, of course, was was really on that problem that U.S. trying to lane. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that... You know, those tariffs were, were high enough where it really pushed a conversation around new sourcing. And what does that mean, right? You know, where are the raw materials are going to come from? What kind of substantial transformation has to occur for it to happen? Um, could you near source it? If you did near source it, what does that do to your transportation costs, to your customs duties, to your export controls? Um, you know, what kind of capital equipment do you have in Southeast Asia or maybe India? And, and could it be done there? And what does that mean? Mm-hmm. You know, the tariff and the supply chain were talked about at that time, which was really important for us, and that it was talked at the highest level, right? And people in these companies, which supply chain have been, you know, again, relatively stable for so long, I think they start to understand how unbelievably critical supply chain was to their company once it was threatened, right? Right, And, and that's when I think in the last four or five years, people really invest a lot more time and effort and understanding at these highest levels of, you know, what has to happen and where are risks, you know, and, and one of my old, my old time favorite lines in supply chain was, you know, it's Omar Bradley and he said, amateurs talk strategy, professionals talk logistics. Right. <laughs> and I, and I think that was just so such a well put line and, and all these companies realized once their supply chain was threatened, you know, how just critically important it was. And, mm-hmm. and, it, and it really kind of ramped up the discussion. And I think we were in a much better place when the pandemic come to understand, came to understand what our options were, what could be done, how flexible could we be? And I think that's a big part of it is, is that flexibility. All right. So moving on to our third one, uh, empathy was something that you called out in this article. How has the yeah. business world been transformed and, and what are some of the lasting effects that you've noticed when it comes to empathy, working with each other? What's the, what's the state of the community? I think it's pretty good, all things considered, in all, in all honesty. Um, you know, the, the interesting thing with COVID, I think, is that everybody struggled. Oh, right? 100%. Yeah. <laughs> um, it, you know, everybody had to put themselves into everybody else's shoes. Mm. You know, and it's, and it's more than just, I guess, COVID, right? We, we all are going through the, the great resignation, right? We're all dealing with kind of the, the unstable political environment. We're all dealing with chip shortages, right? And, you know, again, global trade used to be 
so predictable, so reliable. And for a little while, it wasn't. And maybe it's still not, right? And the general sentiment I, I felt in a lot of ways was that, you know, we're kind of all in it together, right? Um, you know, I always felt like, you know, the, the importer or the, the customer in our case and the supplier relationship, I think got more collaborative because you had to be, you had to be more flexible, you had to be more creative. And I feel that in most cases, everybody had a, just a much more empathetic feel to each other and to work through a problem that maybe nobody had ever seen before. And, and the companies that have the, the most collaboration, they're the ones with the best supply chains, hands yeah. down. Right? Yeah. So I think everybody just did much better because of it. From uh, For Tradewind specifically, what kind of collaboration have you been seeing? From a Tradewind perspective, I think, you know, with everybody potentially being out or, or working from home or, you know, we all know everybody's dog's name now and who doesn't know how to use the few button is always, is always important. But I think we've worked better in a lot of ways together as a team. Um, mm -hmm. and, and with a team that we really, we really haven't seen or, or met in person for, for really quite some time. And I think... Um, by and large, there was that that sentiment that again we're all in it together and let's find a solution. And I think when I look up at all these different things, whether it's empath empathy or creativity or flexibility, you know they're all really intertwined. Mm -hmm. But it all starts with kind of respect and understanding the challenges that are going on, whether it's our customer or our teammates, um, and what we can do on a on a situation to kind of to get the best result. Um, same time, being understanding of you know, the world just is it's different than it was, you know, six months ago, two years ago. You know, my old boss used to say, if we all pull on the same side of the rope, we're, we're going to be great, right? Nobody mm -hmm. can beat us. And, and I think a lot of people, you know, really understood that uh, in terms of, hey, we just got to, we have a problem. We got to work the problem, you know, but we all got to work it together. And if we can, there's a lot we can do, right? Yeah. And I think that was, that was the one piece of the pandemic that I, you know, if I could ask for one thing to kind of hold on, you know, for a long time, I would say it's, everybody being empathetic to our to the struggles of somebody else and you know if we all work together we can get through this all right we've got two more left here on this next one and you just kind of called it out uh, just a second ago was be creative so how has uh creativity manifested itself um and what is important to preserving and maintaining a creative mindset going forward like to, to ensure that creativity is not just a flash in a pan that we're going to kind of hold on to this idea um what would you say is important for that well, I think we had to, we had to do things differently. I mean, we saw some really kind of creative things in supply chain. We saw people, you know, chartering bulk vessels and rerouting cargo. But I also, I also saw a lot of you know very different systems kind of coming online. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of new supply chain tech that's coming online. A lot of new ideas. You know, these ideas they they generate in these time of crisis, and then we have to kind of take them and push them forward. But decisions get get made much faster, and I think it a lot of solutions get advanced much faster in, in these times of crisis. And we just need to kind of make do with them and, and kind of keep pushing them forward. Um, whether it's, you know, different ways of making goods, different ways of sourcing goods, um, putting up different teams to handle different things. There's a lot of, there's a lot of really good lessons that we learned. We just got to keep those things moving forward, you know, as we kind of come into hopefully into a, a time of peace more predictability, I should say, really. Yeah. <laughs> well, but <laughs> more predictability is nice, but one of the things that I think about is predictability is kind of what got us into this mess in, in some ways, right? Like the logistics world got too comfortable in some ways, you know, with like relying on good old, you know, us China lanes and stuff and nothing's <laughs> going to happen there, but here we are well, with well, um, yeah, I mean, lots of changes I, happening. Yeah, I would think so. I mean, I think things were so predictable for so long that again, you know, to my comment on the pendulum, everything kind of people drive efficiency into it, right? And they drive it 
you know, they drive cost out and that left us with kind of just in time inventories. Um, I would say it maybe put certain things in a bit more of a fragile environment, right? Single sourcing, single source lanes, you know, single geography origins. Um, and that, that limited us, right? And that limited us in a lot of ways where we didn't understand how to source from multiple P places. Um, we didn't understand the regulations involved in it. And, and like the regulatory landscape in the last, you know, five or six years is, is really just, it's, it's blown up in a lot of ways, right? There's a lot of new, there's new free trade agreements. There's been new tariffs. Um, there's been new export control programs that are going around the world. You're seeing sanctions on a daily, on a daily basis from a lot of different countries. Every time we see one of those things in the news, that's something that a company has to be able to react to and understand and digest and put processes in place. Mm-hmm. And that takes time. It takes knowledge. It takes effort. It takes people to know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so when things are predictable for so long, yeah, I would agree with you that, that maybe that makes you a little, makes your supply chain a little more fragile. That's why we have to kind of take these opportunities and these lessons mm-hmm. um, and keep them moving forward. And maybe that, that's how you get to that last one of knowledge. You know, last one is, you know, be knowledgeable. And, yeah, and so finally, be, yeah. being knowledgeable, right? And, and I'm sorry to cut you off here. So I, I wanted to say that I found this one the most interesting because it was the shortest of the five lessons, but it seemed like it was the most important because in there you gave the sense of resiliency, creativity, empathy, and and flexibility. With those powers combined, they create a, a captain, knowledgeable supply chain professional. So uh, why is this one so important? Could you expand on that? Yeah, well, I, you know, again, I think it's it's hard to undervalue human capital, right? So, in a crisis, whether it's this one or or the last four or five, right, everything's moving much faster and everything's moving with more urgency. And I think that you know that that happens with our personal development as well. It's a lot of this, a lot of our growth, our personal growth comes from experience and experiences that we're that we're having right now. And I think that we're you know we're getting so much more thrown at us that we're growing at a faster rate. And when we get past all of these, you know, for the next crisis, you want someone with the experience to have gone through this and to understand it. Um, so on, on one way, I think you, you can't undervalue, you know, knowledge uh, of people that, that are going through this. But at the same time, on a personal level, you know, I'm growing much faster. I'm changing much faster. I'm adapting personally. Um, you know, there's, no, there's so much less predictability that. You know, you have to be able to read more, absorb more, grow more, learn more. Um, and, and you can't be complacent. I don't think that anybody's had the, you know, the luxury of complacency in the last couple of years, at least not no. in this industry. Um, so I think, you know, if I, if I was to wrap up all those things, if the, the people that want to have that resilient supply chain, mm-hmm. they have to be, you know, run and, and peopled and, you know, and handled by people that are flexible and creative and empathetic. Um, and that's, and that's ultimately how you succeed in, you know, 2023, 2024, I hope. So you mentioned, you know, professionals that, you know, they've been through that, they've experienced this and that's how they've become knowledgeable. How do we cultivate a a hunger for knowledge within our own organization to stay hungry for that kind of stuff? Well, right now things are coming at them so fast. I think, um, (laughs) they don't have a choice. (laughs) They they lack a choice. Their plate is full and they gotta, they gotta eat. But, um, you know, you got to look for the right people. I think inherently, I think most people want to do a good job, right? Of course. You know, ultimately people do want to learn more. They want, they want to be challenged. And so I think, you know, if you can find the right people within your organization that have that, that hunger for curiosity, they're the ones that are going to be able to grow in a situation like this. They're not Mm going to sit back on their heels. Um, 
you know, so finding the right people, instilling it, you know, always try to learn something new. Um, and I think, you know, if you can find the right people that do that, your, your, your organization is going to be top notch. Um, there's so, there's just so much to learn right now. Uh, as we bring this to a close, I was kind of curious for you looking at 2022, um, what do you think are some of the takeaways that you're already seeing now that we're a good few months into the year? I think that I've learned maybe most importantly is that I don't know what the future is going to be. Right. And, you know, we're not going to make forward looking statements here. Uh, if you went back, go back to November, go back even earlier, September, you know, COVID starting to kind of ramp down and, and if you say, right hey, back up. what's going to happen? Hey, 2022 is going to be the year. And already we've kind of seen, hey, the Omicron virus is there, right? Yeah. We've seen, you know, land war in Europe. We've seen, you know, Eastern, you know, China's Eastern Seaboard kind of, you know, going through some lockdowns. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we've had a lot of things that have occurred that we didn't expect, see, or predict. And, and maybe that's the key. It's that the future is unclear. Um, and if anybody tells you differently, it's trying to sell you something. And we just have to be prepared for what that is, yeah. right? And we have to be peopled with, you know, experience that can help us navigate something that we just don't know what's around the corner. Um, yeah. And we got to be prepared and we got to be resilient. Mike, thank you so much uh, for uh, diving a little bit deeper into your article. I think there's a lot of wisdom to pull from from each of these five things. So I really appreciate you uh, you taking the time. Um, if folks are curious and want to like discuss more about this with you or just get into contact and learn more about Tradewind, where can they find you? They can always find me here in Boston um, with Tradewind. It's uh, <laughs> michael.beleza at tradewind.net. Cool. Excellent. Thank you so much. Thank you, sir. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you've got questions or want to learn more about today's topic, check out the show notes for more information. And before you go, make sure you're subscribed on whatever podcast app you're using so you won't miss the next episode. To learn more about Expediters, you can find us on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, or simply visit us at expediters.com. Take care, and I'll see you next time.